How many games is Tennessee football going to win this upcoming season? ESPN's FPI predicts each SEC team's records. That came out just a couple days ago, and you'll be surprised where Tennessee is listed. That and a whole lot more here on your Tuesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, welcome into it. This is Locked On Balls. It's a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys being here. Got a big week coming up today, or big week coming up um, over the next few days. Really looking forward to heading down to Hoover to uh, cover the Tennessee Volunteers baseball team in the Southeastern Conference Tournament. So if you are baseball fans, be sure to be dialed into VolQuest.com and uh, right here on Locked On Balls because we'll recap it every single day. I'll be doing the show on the road. So uh, looking forward to that. Hey, a lot of you guys were chiming in on the YouTube comments uh, about the Lady Vols softball team. Hey, shout out ladies. That's awesome. Hosting a Super Regional uh, in Knoxville starting this weekend. So that's awesome. One step closer. The last hurdle you're going to have to surpass before going to the uh, uh, Women's College World Series. So that's really, really exciting. So fun stuff ahead. Shout out every day for being here and for you guys for uh uh, subscribing on Locked On Vaults on the YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Got a f- fun show coming up today. Uh, FPI list rankings, all that good stuff of uh, the SEC teams. Tennessee, how many wins does the ESPN FBI predict Tennessee to have? What's that range of wins and losses? Where does that rank in the Southeastern Conference? And in turn, college football toughest schedules. Where does Tennessee rank na- nationally in that conversation? Uh, that here in segment number one. Segment two, we're going to continue on with our look around the Southeastern Conference at um, at some of the uh, uh, opponents, and we're going to check in with Alabama today. So Luke Robinson is going to join the show in segment number two. And then in segment number three, going to answer some of your Twitter Tuesday questions as we do each and every week. All right, without further ado, uh, let's dive into it. ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, a new rendition of it was released Monday morning. And it ranked the Southeastern Conference teams ahead of the 2023 season in terms of you know predicting this many wins, this many losses. Take the one through 14 and kind of where does Tennessee fall into that that mix? Well, according to ESPN's FBI, Tennessee is projected to go anywhere from 8.2 wins to 3.9 losses. So essentially, that's showing ESPN's FBI thinks Tennessee has a greatest probability of going eight and four. It's interesting because, you know, whenever FanDuel came out with its win totals a couple weeks ago, and we've talked about it. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, I flashed up that, uh, uh, that, that graphic up top. It has Tennessee at nine and a half wins. So this has, ten- this has Tennessee a full win below what FanDuel thinks Tennessee is going to be at setting that over under at nine and a half. Uh, we'll continue to reference that graphic and, and what FanDuel, the total odds uh, are for Tennessee and the other SEC teams throughout this segment. Uh, but that's what F, uh, the uh, the Football Power Index believes Tennessee is going to be, in that range of 8.2 wins to 3.9 losses. And so that's essentially 8-4. and four. That is the fourth highest win probability for the ESPN's FBI of the Southeastern Conference. Who were the ones ranked ahead of Tennessee? Well, much like that FanDuel uh, total, You've got Georgia, Alabama, and LSU ranked ahead of Tennessee there at 9.5. And then over here on ESPN's FBI Power Index, 
Alabama, Georgia, and LSU rank ahead of Tennessee. Looks like it's going to be a two-horse race for uh, who is going to be you know, the, the king of the SEC this year, and it's really been a two-horse race much of the last couple of years. Alabama is projected or predicted at the top, according to ESPN's FBI, 11.1 wins to 1.6 losses. So they are predicting Alabama to go 11-1 in the regular season. Georgia, uh, its record prediction is 11.7 wins to 1.2 losses. Uh, so Georgia's right around in that conversation. It comes below Alabama overall because its FPI total was 27.4 and Alabama's was 28.2. So essentially, they are both predicting Georgia and Alabama to go either 11 and 1 or um, or uh, uh, 10 and 1. So it's kind of a two horse race. You look at number three. According to the FBI rankings of teams in the SEC, it's LSU. LSU, 9.6 wins to 2.6 losses. So that's very much a 9-3 and three, uh, type season there in the regular season for LSU. Of course, then Tennessee comes in, uh, as I mentioned, 8.2 to 3.9. Behind Tennessee, the fifth place in the SEC would be Ole Miss, 7.6 wins to 4.4 losses. So that's very much looking like a 7-5 and five campaign. Or, or an 8-4 and four campaign. It's actually on the uh, echelon towards an 8-4, and four, kind of like with, with Tennessee. And then here's Florida coming in at the 6th. 6.8 wins to 5.2 losses. This one's interesting because essentially the FBI is saying Florida is going to go you know, anywhere from 6-6 six and six to 7-5. and five. If you look at FanDuel's totals that we've discussed, George, or Florida's near the bottom at 5.5 wins. Again, I said when this came out that Georgia was or that Florida, excuse me, Florida, if you are wanting to bet on Florida, you sprint to the over because the FanDuel setting it at five and a half, I mean, they're going to win more than five games. I can tell you that. I don't think Florida's going to have a, good, a great season, but they're going to win more than you know five games. I think they're going to win at least six games and get bowl eligible. So uh, I, I found that pretty interesting. Again, FBI is not everything, much like pro football rankings, pro football focus rankings that we do during season. It's not everything. It's just another metric to kind of look at. FBI, of course, it, it brings back returning productions, what you did in the transfer portal, quarterback, recruiting classes in recent memory. That's kind of what all that goes into the FBI, and they put it all up into calculate, or ca calculators, and then they have projections, and they take the means of the uh, uh, you know repeated projections out there, and you know a lot of people that are much smarter than me do that, obviously. I can barely talk about it. All right, so if Florida is at 6.8 to 5.2, uh, A&M comes in next, anywhere from 7.5 wins to 4.5 losses. Kentucky's at 8, 7.2 wins uh, to 4.9 losses, so that's a 7-5 season. Arkansas is ninth at 6.8 wins to 5.2 losses, so that's 7-5 essentially. Mississippi State comes in at 6.3 to 5.7, so that's looking like a 6-6 six six season. Auburn's 11th. 5.8 to 6.2, so that is a 6-6 six and six season. Missouri 12th, 6-6 six six straight. 6-0, 6-0, 6 wins, 6-0 losses, .0. South Carolina then 13th, which is kind of shocking here. Again, that just goes to show you FPI is not everything. Again, I don't think South Carolina is going to be winning the SEC this year, but I think South Carolina is going to win more than five games. 5.5 to 6.5. So it's saying the probability, according to ESPN's FBI, is that South Carolina will have a losing record more so than a 6-6 six and six record or a winning record. And then Vanderbilt comes in at four, anywhere from four wins to eight losses. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, I will flash this graphic over at FanDuel, uh, the SEC football win totals. See how different they kind of are compared to ESPN's FBI. 
Georgia at the top, Alabama at the top. Those are kind of the same thing. They're flipped over here on the FPI, but still anywhere from 11 and a half, anywhere from 11 wins, to 10 wins. LSU is at seconds, 9.6 wins. FBI, 9.5 wins is the total. That's about right. Tennessee is at fourth, 8.2 wins, according to the FBI, nine and a half, according to FanDuel. Um, Ole Miss coming in next, and then it's Ole Miss coming in next on the uh, FanDuel uh, a total, and then it's Ole Miss as well on the FBI. And then it's Florida, Texas A&M. A&M comes behind Ole Miss on the FanDuel, and then Kentucky, and so on and so forth. So, again, it's just something to talk about. It's not everything, but uh, the FanDuel thinks a lot less of Florida than the FPI does. The FPI thinks a whole lot less of South Carolina than FanDuel does. It's just you know kind of interesting there. Although FanDuel doesn't think too highly of South Carolina. It hasn't been six and a half as that total but again, the FBI for South Carolina believes it's closer to a losing season season than a winning season. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I wanted to kind of bring that onto the show and kind of discuss a little bit of that. I know there was a lot of numbers thrown out there, and again, that's that's not everything. But sometimes, uh, again, it's just kind of adding another layer to the conversation. Many many years when Tennessee was bad, mind you, the ESPN FBI loved Tennessee, and it didn't make a difference. Tennessee was still bad. Tennessee was returning a lot of talent, but just because you return a lot of talent doesn't mean that talent isn't developed. Now you have developers. We've seen it with Hendon Hooker. We've seen it with Jalen Hyatt. We've seen it with Darnell Wright. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. So I think that's the biggest difference right now. Sure, you lose talent. In years past, you've brought back talent, but it's about the coaches in that room that are developing the young athletes. And I think Tennessee's got a, a nice you know group of coaches who uh, know how to develop young talent. All right. Um, 25 hardest schedules for 2023, according to um, ESPN. Another thing that was released over the weekend, uh, according to ESPN, Tennessee has the eighth toughest schedule entering the 2022, 2023 season. Ole Miss is number one. Minnesota is two. Florida is three. Maryland's four. Auburn is five. Arkansas is six. Michigan state is seven. Tennessee is eight. Rutgers is nine. Indiana is 10. That's your top 10. South Carolina is looking on the outside end at number 11. Penn State comes in at number 13. LSU's at 15. AM is at 16. Alabama's at 18. Missouri's at 20. Mississippi State is at 24th. So those are the teams from the SEC uh, that are, have, you know, the, the toughest schedule according to ESPN. Uh, there's one very relevant Southeastern Conference team that was not mentioned in there, right? What team could that be? Oh, yeah, that's the Georgia Bulldogs because their non-conference schedule is a complete and utter joke. I'm not trying to sit on the table and think and say that Tennessee's non-conference schedule is good this year because it's not. It's been much better in years past, but it, it's not to the likes of Georgia. So Tennessee, according to ESPN, has the eighth toughest strength of schedule going into the season, of course, as these, as these teams evolve and as these teams change over the course of the season – it's always fun to kind of go back and track and see, you know, who's playing the toughest schedule and who's not. So uh, some stuff from ESPN from over the weekend that I thought was interesting and I wanted to bring it on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, what about one of those teams that were on both of those lists that's going to be on Tennessee's schedule this year? Who is the Alabama Crimson Tide post-spring practice? It's been busy, and you know they're trying to find a quarterback, that and a whole lot more with Luke Robinson of Locked On Alabama. That is coming up next right here on Locked On Falls. But, hey, guys, I want to remind you about our friends over at FanDuel. Been talking about those over-under totals for the SEC football season coming up. But, hey, right now, NBA playoffs is going on, and you can 
win some money with no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Right now, we're over at FanDuel Sportsbook. That's right, $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Great promotions every single day. Again, right now, it's NBA playoff time. You can win some money every single night uh, as you go on throughout the summer and they get to the NBA Finals. Major League Baseball is happening right now. As we mentioned with those you know, college football totals, you can put some futures down there right now and do it all over at FanDuel Sportsbook on a safe and secure app that is super easy to use. Plus, when you win your bet, you're going to get paid instantly. None of this waiting around till the end of the week or a couple weeks or whatever. It is instantly it goes into your account. It's safe and secure again at FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action for the NBA season than over at America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, everybody, welcome back into your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. Got a little Twitter Tuesday here today, talking a little Tennessee football as always. But I wanted to get back into our, uh, not necessarily our opponent preview, but our opponent check-in, if you will. We'll have an opponent preview as we get closer and closer to the season. But I wanted to check in with everybody on Tennessee's schedule that I could talk to, at least in the Locked On Network. Kind of get a feel for the program uh, post-spring practice. And today we're going to bring on... Our guy from Locked On Bama, Luke Robinson. Luke, what's up, man? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm getting excited already about the season. I mean, the the off season's kind of you know sped sped along, and uh, hey, I'll I'll take that. We just got a couple of summer months, and uh, you know, you got the SEC media days, then fall camp, and then boom, third Saturday in October. Can't wait for it. Uh, how was spring? I mean, kind of kind of an open ended question. Kind of take it wherever you want. Um, I know Alabama's replacing a lot. I know Alabama's made some headlines in the transfer portal, but how's spring been? Uh, I think it's been okay. I think it got very eventful when Alabama decided to take Tyler Buckner, uh, the transfer from Notre Dame, who was, I guess you could call him good, not great at Notre Dame. Now he was highly recruited, uh, four-star, high four-star kid, goes to Notre Dame. They win some uh, a big recruiting battle in, in getting him there. Again, he had some nice moments. He, he really – looked fantastic at times against South Carolina in the bowl game, but uh, he also had two pick sixes in that game. And I think he may have even had another interception. So, I mean, I, I'm not, hmm. I've been very diplomatic in trying to answer this because frankly, I'm not going to pretend like I kept up with Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame very much until right at the very end of spring, his name started popping up and I was thinking this isn't going to happen. I mean, I thought frankly, it was going to be something to light a fire under Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, or maybe even one of the youngsters, Dylan Lonergan, uh, perhaps, or Eli Holstein, the two freshmen that are coming in. But that wasn't it. I mean, he, Saban went out and got his guy. And now I say his guy. I think it's mostly Tommy Ree's guy, mm-hmm. who was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame and now has moved on to Alabama. So, man, I, I just don't know what to think. Everywhere else, I feel pretty doggone good. I mean, I feel good about the running backs. Um, I feel very – I feel much better about the wide receivers. Still not sure we got that dude like uh, a Jalen Waddle, a Devontae Smith, a Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I don't know that we got one of those dudes necessarily, but I think we're, we're, we're in pretty good shape. Offensive line feel good. All across the defense feel great, especially when it comes to somebody like Caleb Downs. Uh, the kicker situation is incredibly stable, and uh, you know I think we are set there and in special teams – 
But, man, you know, quarterback is the most important position in sports, if you ask me. And if that's unsettled, I don't know how you're supposed to feel settled about the season in general. You know, I, I have kind of mixed feelings about Alabama going out and getting Tyler Buckner. You know, one part of me says, I mean, you go out there and get – and I understand you're coming into a system you're familiar with and an OC you're familiar with, and so that plays a role into it, I should say. But part of me is like, I mean, this is Alabama. You're not just going to go get somebody, come in for a couple of months and and just roll them out there game one, right? The other half of me is like I – mean, and part of that is it's what you said. It's like, all right, Ty Simpson, Jalen Miller, how are you going to respond? Then the other part of me is like, man – I mean, maybe maybe they're just not pleased with, with what they're seeing out of Milroe and Simpson. They played a little bit last year, a little bit in spring. So I'm really intrigued to see what happens there. Well, what's your opinion? You know, being you know down in Tuscaloosa, being in the heart of, of everything Alabama football, do you believe that Tyler Buckner is going to be the QB1 this year? You know, it's it's hard to say he won't be because they did make a concerted effort after spring to go get him. Yeah. If he doesn't win it, I think it – it puts a lot of pressure on him, right? I mean, I think he's going to feel like, okay, I, um, maybe I made the wrong choice or whatever. Again, that's just – that's not me talking about anything from inside the Tuscaloosa circle. That is just common sense. But I'm going to go – I'm going to go outside the box here. I, I guess it's outside the box now. I I was on the Ty Simpson train. Tennessee folks know all about Ty Simpson. I know you all probably don't like him very much. I understand that. Uh, he was a big-time talent out of your state. Alabama got him. I loved him in high school. I thought he was going to end up being the starter this year. But it, since he didn't take the reins in the spring game, um, I feel like Alabama may revert to going with uh, Jalen Milrow when all said and done because Jalen Milrow does have some experience in a game. And frankly, even though he started against Texas A&M and I didn't think he looked great, I would say his starting times at quarterback have been at least equal to if not maybe even a little greater than Tyler Buckner's starting times. Um, and Jalen Milrow has the legs of a running back. He's big and he's strong. And if Alabama can keep him from turning the ball over, he's by far the safest pick, if you ask me. Now, do, do I think Jalen Milrow can take Alabama to the national championship? Eh, I don't know about that. Um, I feel like Ty Simpson may be best equipped for that or Tyler Buckner. Um, but I, I would – I would welcome any of these guys and, and any of the true freshmen. I'm going to stand behind whoever we roll with because I think they're all kind of in the same boat. And um, I'm just hoping that the added competition sort of sparks something within at least one of them that will have him uh, take the, the the mantle because I, don't, I hate going into a year with uncertainty at quarterback. Let me throw this in there, that everybody says, well, you know, this is such a, you know, a terrible thing for Alabama – Alabama's won a lot of national championships with guys that they didn't know were going to be starters at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, A.J. McCarron was fighting it out with Phillip Sims uh, in his first season. Uh, nobody thought Jalen Hurts would be the starter for the love of God. I mean, nobody. He wouldn't. It, they thought he might play sort of like a scat back or a wildcat type of situation. They didn't think he would end up being a starter and take Alabama all the way to the national championship game. Nobody thought uh, Tua Chungalabailoa could come in at the last second and defeat a fantastic defense in Georgia. Mac Jones, you know, was considered sort of a, eh, he's a nice, you know, uh, game manager, as the, the code word would be. He ends up taking Alabama to a national championship in what I think is one of the best teams in college football history in 2021. So, um, it's not like Alabama cannot do it, but they have done it. 
But there's something that I haven't seen the it factor in any of these one guys. And that's what's uh, concerning to me. Yeah, I was talking with, um, you know, Chris Gordy a couple weeks ago, and, and he, he kind of threw out there that, you know, Alabama is, you know, at least for this year, it's looking like it's kind of reverting back to its old self. Not the dynamic playmaking quarterback, not the guy that's going to go out and get a, win a Heisman, but a guy that's going to manage the game, not turn it over, rely on a run game, rely on all the other five-star and, and very well-developed players around him in a great defense and go win games. And I, I was like, I, I can see that, certainly. Um, do, do you kind of view it that way? Do you think, you know, um, I, I know Alabama just brought in some really, really good quarterbacks. I get that. But, I mean, this year it kind of looks like Alabama could be a, a, a Mac, you know, Mac Jones is the Heisman contender, maybe an A.J. McCarron type situation or, or, or somebody else. Greg McElroy-esque, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can certainly see that. I think Alabama's going to get a little safer because here's the thing. It's great to have a throw-it-around-the-yard, high-flying offense that it gets everybody excited. And at any given moment, you could have a 98-yard touchdown pass uh, because you've got a bunch of frisbee-catching dogs you're tossing the pigskin to. But if you don't have the right quarterback, that thing turns into a mess in a hurry. I mean, it, it, Alabama will always be able to beat up on the soup cans on their schedule, and there are some soup cans. But when you play against uh, some other teams like uh, you know, a Tennessee, like uh, a Georgia, somebody like that, if you don't have the right quarterback, it's going to be a problem. And sometimes even when you do have the right quarterback and you want to run some kind of offense like that, you still got to have the dudes. I mean, that's one thing that killed Alabama last year. They lost two games on the last play of the game hmm. where if – I mean, here's uh, – Jameer Gibbs, for instance, this was a fantastic running back, 13th pick in the NFL draft. If he makes that catch against Tennessee coming across the middle, it's game over. Alabama wins. But also, drops- Tennessee had a defensive lineman on him. They, they, they missed it completely. Nobody peeled with him. And now, if they would hit well, Gibbs. The only person who missed, who didn't miss it was the quarterback who hit him right between the numbers, and Gibbs no. just dropped it. I'm not mad at Gibbs for that. I've forgiven him because those things happen. Right. And I've had enough. Alabama's had enough success where I can get over it. But what I'm saying is, if you're going to run an offense that's going to be very heavy quarterback centric, then you've got to have the right quarterback. Now, you also have to have the right dudes. Um, And I think Alabama's got the right dudes this time. I feel better about the uh, wide receivers. I feel better about the tight ends. But I got to feel better about the quarterback, too. So if you don't feel like you can be quarterback centric, then what's the best thing to do? Well, be very, very safe. And therefore, that's why I go back to my Jalen Milrow pick. As long as you can get him to quit carrying the ball like a loaf of bread and take care of the ball, realize, hey, you can't just hold the ball out there loosey goosey. When you take off running, you got to tuck that mother. Then uh, Alabama's got the running backs to, to make make some hay. And also the SEC is a copycat league, right? I mean, Alabama's done it before. People have looked at Alabama and tried to copycat. I think Georgia proved last year, Stetson Bennett looked great at times, but Stetson Bennett is not a, I mean, he's, he's not an all-time quarterback and, and Georgia played very, very safe. Their defense is unreal. Their running backs are a platoon system and they're rough and tumble. And as long as they take care of the ball, they'll beat you. And I think that's what Alabama's trying to get to. All right. Last thing here real quick before we uh, say goodbye, Looking at the Alabama schedule, MTSU, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, uh, MTSU, the Blue Raiders kicking things off. That big showdown with Texas in week two, the the, the back half of that home and home. Uh, that'll be a good one, USF. Then you got into getting into your conference schedule, uh, Ole Miss at Mississippi State at AM. That'll be a, a good one potentially at home against Arkansas, at home against Tennessee. Then you have your off week 
then you're hosting LSU. I mean, you got a couple of big time home games, which is going to be good for Alabama. Traveling to Kentucky, you um, uh, Chattanooga, and UTC Chattanooga, and then at Auburn for the uh, for, for the Iron Bowl. You look at uh, our bet online. Excuse me, our FanDuel, our FanDuel sportsbook uh, totals from uh, a couple weeks ago when they came out. Alabama sitting there at ten and a half. What do you like? You like the over, or the under? I think I'm going to have to go over. I, I really do. Um, even with the quarterback situation, even with some of the doubt I have uh, that I think is legit. I can't completely abandon my Bamerism. I mean, I think that, <laughs> look, history shows that Alabama is going to win 10 games. We have not won fewer than 10 games since 2007, okay? So the history proves that. Don't bet against history. I mean, it's like if you're at the roulette table and it's been eight, 10 times, well, I mean, or excuse me, black 10 times, then you want to – don't bet on red going, well, it's got to be red this time. No, go with the flow. That is how you win. And so I think it's better if you pick Alabama to go over. I know it's tough. The schedule is tough. It's, it's certainly manageable. Any schedule would be manageable for Alabama. That Texas game looks tougher. Tennessee looks tougher. Um, even Auburn at the end of the year when they get all their ducks in a row finally mm -hmm. with Hugh Freeze, they'll be a little bit tougher. But having a lot of those games at home helps. No doubt about it. Luke Robinson, co-host of Locked On Bama. You can follow him on Twitter at LSRobinson21. Does an awesome job. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time, shedding some light on the Alabama Crimson Tide post-spring practice. Appreciate you, Eric. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you guys. All right, we'll have a little Twitter Tuesday coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. All right, guys, welcome back into it. It's your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys being here. Shout out every dayers. Thank you so much for making the show what it is. Looking forward to bringing you guys coverage from the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover, Alabama this week. So if you guys want a synopsis on uh, all the action uh, of the day, you can follow me on Twitter and, of course, listen and watch Locked On Balls every single morning wherever you get your podcast. Uh, that time of the week for the Everydayers, we're going to get into Twitter Tuesday, a little mailbag edition of the show. And uh, we will start with a couple of YouTube comments. Robo22 says, can you take a segment and break down uh, what you know about this game with Texas A&M? I know we swiped that series, but uh, best I can remember, it wasn't too easy. All three of our starters struggled some against their lineup. Um, any idea who will start? Has the lineup changed? Um, how have they done lately? Uh, all right, yeah, I'm not going to do a segment, but um, I'll break down a little bit. If you want more on Texas A&M and the SEC a tournament, I encourage you to go over and read my stuff at VolQuest.com and listen to, also when you're done with this, you can listen to the Porch podcast that's out there. Um, but yeah, a, a little bit with uh, Texas A&M. Tennessee swept them earlier in the year. If you remember, uh, Tennessee started SEC play on the road at Missouri and and fell victim of the sweep, came back and swept Texas A&M. This is an A&M club that uh, was preseason picked second in the West, mind you. They obviously did not have that great of a season, but um, A&M, you know, Tennessee won big in game one, 10 to four. They had to win via the walk-off in game two, eight to seven. It was a Jerry Dickey sack fly that won it for Tennessee. And then if memory serves me correct, in game three, Tennessee won nine to six. I want to say that they were winning by like nine to one or eight to one, and it came back and was a little bit close. But uh, nonetheless, you know, Tennessee was able to finish that off. And, you know, for the series sweep, you look at AM, they have a roster. Um, Hunter Haas, a shortstop, is a pretty good player. Jack Moss, the first baseman, torched Tennessee that weekend with like four home runs. Um, let's see. Jace uh, LaVialetta, La I believe is how you say his name. He is a freshman, and um, he was uh, just recently named the SEC Player of the Week. So 
Uh, that was interesting. Tennessee's pitcher Andrew Lindsay was named SEC Pitcher of the Week. So uh, those are some guys to look out for. Nathan Detmer is their is their starter. Um, the, their he hasn't had like an ace like season, but he is. Uh, a, a big time arm for them. He's not. I would imagine he's not going to pitch on Tuesday uh, because he, you know, pitched over the weekend. Their pitching rotation's been all in flux. They've been, you know, mixing and matching all season long. It was. Um, let's see here. It was their manager in a press conference setting on Monday that came out and and said that they would likely go with uh, Troy Wansing. Wayne Singh, I believe is his name. He's a southball. He's been in and out of the rotation this year. Two and three, a 598 ERA. Not that great. Against Tennessee back uh, in Knoxville in that series I was referencing, I think he started game two, maybe game three. Uh, he took on the loss on March 25th. He gave up four runs off four hits in, in an inning and a third. And, um, you know, he is the probable starter, if you want to call it that, for Texas A&M. That's what their manager announced on uh on Monday, but at the time of this recording, Tennessee has not announced a starting pitcher for the Vols right now. Um, I feel like it's going to be Seth Halverson. We'll see if that is. I've been told that it's likely going to be Seth Halverson, so we'll see if that's it. If it's not Seth Halverson, look for Camden Sewell. Um, AJ Russell, Chase Burns can also help out. It's going to be bullpen for Tennessee, certainly. Um, and you know, probably probably on Wednesday as well if Tennessee makes it. Single elimination round on Tuesday. If you win, you go into double elimination. So essentially, if you win on if you win today, then you're staying through at least Thursday. Uh, so we'll see exactly what happens. Tennessee needs a couple of wins to lock up a regional hosting bid potentially. So every win matters. Uh, a couple more notes on Texas A&M. Gosh, I'm about to use a segment on it, aren't I? Uh, 32 and 23 on the year, 14 and 16 in SEC play. So A&M very much battling to get in uh, to the field of play for sure. Uh, they're they've won two of their three last series. Um, they were not ranked this week in D1 baseball. They are 34th in the current RPI. And uh, in the latest D1 baseball field of 64 projections that was released yesterday, yesterday they were a number three seed in the Austin region uh, where Texas is number one. So uh, we'll see exactly what Texas A&M looks like tomorrow or today against Tennessee, but uh, the Volunteers certainly need to win and, and continue on to uh, enhance their resume to host a regional. Okay, so we will move on. That was a little extended there. Sorry I spent so much time. Uh, we'll go to, let's see here, Mr. Jones. Do you think Tennessee can finish with a top five recruiting class in 2024? You know, we'll see. Um, you know, Tennessee right now, according to the on three industry rankings, if I can find it, Tennessee is number nine. Actually, okay, so they move back to 11. They move every day with other teams get commitments, obviously. We'll see. I, I think it'd be a, They'd have to make a big time push to be top five. I see this team being right around, or this class being right around, you know, top ten. Could be eleven, could be nine, somewhere around in there. Got a long way to go. Tennessee's only ha- only has eleven commits so far, so you got a long way to go. And there's some high profile recruits that I believe could be in this class. So um, I won't say top five because I think that's so hard to do. Um, but w- we will see. I think Tennessee will have a top ten class for sure. Uh, let's go to Braden on the DMs. Braden says, Braden's got a couple of good questions. One I'm going to say because I'm going to do a show out of that. What is your Mount Rushmore for all-time great Tennessee football games? Great question. I'm going to do a show out of that. Um, but he also asks, who is your favorite player on this year's team? Good question. Um, I love Byron Young last year. Big-time Byron Young fan. Um, Big-time Jerome Carvin fan as well. But obviously both those guys are gone. I like Cooper Mays a lot. 
I like Aaron Beasley a lot. Um, I like Amari Thomas a lot. And, and the position that I really like to root for is the Leo position. There's just no guaranteed, you know, number one starter at that position right now. Roman Harrison will play a lot. Joshua Josephs, James Pierce, can Caleb Herring get a little bit of run? But if I had to pick my favorite player right now, probably Cooper Mays. I know that's you know not the sexy position or anything, um, but I, I do like Cooper Mays, so I probably have to say him. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to. Let's see here. Da, da, da. Hold on. Here we go. All right. Next, we'll go to Matt. My dude Matt says, "How are the Vols? Have the Vols done enough to host a regional as of now? Um, how do you think they need to? Uh, do you think they need to win a couple of games in Hoover to solidify being a top sixteen seed? Yes, I do. Um, think that they need to win a couple of games to solidify being a top sixteen seed. I just kind of mentioned um, a little bit of." Of kind of what those D1 field of 64 projections are. They came out on Monday. Right now, Tennessee is a two seed in the uh, Coral Gables Regional, which is Miami. Tennessee would be going, according to this projection, Tennessee would be going down to Miami uh, and playing against uh, Miami and Kent State and Wright State. It is the regional adjacent to Clemson, kind of paired up there. If Tennessee can win two games, in my opinion, and if Missouri can beat Auburn, which Auburn just swept Missouri, and if Kentucky can beat Alabama, that, that's what you need to be rooting for, okay? Uh, Tuesday games, you need you want to root for Tennessee to win, you want to root for Kentucky to beat Alabama, and you want to root for Missouri to beat Auburn because right now Auburn is projected as a top 16 seed. I had it wrote down just a moment ago. Let's see here. Let me pull it up right here. Ah, oh, here we go. Um, right now you have... According to this projection over D1 Baseball, of course, Tennessee's the number two seed in the Coral Gables region. Um, but SEC teams projected to host. Florida is the second overall seed. Arkansas is the third overall seed. LSU's the fourth overall seed. Vanderbilt's the seventh overall seed. Kentucky is the ninth overall seed. Auburn is the twelfth overall seed. And Alabama is the fourteenth overall seed. So you really need to be rooting for Kentucky to beat Alabama today in the third game and Missouri to beat Auburn tonight in the nightcap. That is what uh, you should be going for, for sure. All right, and we will go on to Jason. Uh, Jason wants to know, a lot of big-time recruits. This will be the last one, guys. A lot of big-time recruits will be in Knoxville this weekend. Can you walk us through what this weekend consists of, and are there going to be any commitments Tennessee is anticipating shortly after this weekend? Good question, Jason. Um, a couple of names I'll throw out there that uh, – are expected again you don't want to say anything that's guaranteed but are expected to be in town this weekend there's a ton i won't get them all but commit caleb beasley will be in town um boo carter is expected to be in town chase tyler is a guy that tennessee's gonna probably try to ramp it up a little bit with he'll be in town carson general commit is going to be in town cam franklin's going to be in town is expected to jeremiah's heard the commitments um amari jefferson's expected to be in town Edwin Spillman's expected to be in town. Jesse Perry, the commit's expected to be in town. Quarterback Jake Merklinger, running back Peyton Lewis, Daniel Hill, uh, Jaden Riddell, that, that's a huge one. Amari Jefferson, I mentioned. Jonathan Eccles. Um, so, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of big-time players who are expected to uh, to be in town this weekend. We'll see if they can you know make it all. But um, in terms of is there any expected commitments to sh- – come shortly after this weekend i don't believe so um of course you know we'll see 
Uh, you know, never say never recruiting moves at a mile a minute and it, it's always changing. But I, I think the big thing for this weekend and what you saw last year was you'll have guys come in and the seed will be planted for a June commitment, a July commitment. I mean, so many of these guys that were here at this event last year went on to commit over the summer. And when you speak to them and when you interview them, when they commit, they say, hey, man, that Memorial Day event, you know, that was huge. That's that's when I knew I was going to be a Vol. And so that's what you want out of this weekend. You know, sure, you'll take commitments now for sure, but you want to plant that seed to where they come back and say, all right, that was that was the weekend when I knew, when I knew I was going to be a Tennessee volunteer. There'll be a cookout. Uh, last year there was a scavenger hunt. Uh, they had like mini pup. I mean, Dude, you know, recruiting nowadays is just wild. Uh, they had like they set up a little makeshift mini putt putt course inside the Anderson Training Facility. Uh, they watch film, they talk, they meet one on one. There's a lot going on during this thing, so uh, it, it's a big time. It's one of the bigger, most important days in the recruiting calendar for Tennessee. It was last year, and it's shaping up to be that way this year. So we'll have to see the news uh, coming out of Knoxville from this weekend for the Memorial Day recruiting event. All right, that will do it here for this edition of Locked On Balls. Thank you guys so much for your questions, uh, for sending those in. Locked On Balls and that underscore Kaner every single week. I uh, hope I answered them to the best of uh, my abilities. Hope, hope I did. I ho- hopefully that's good enough for you guys. And um, if you have any more questions, send them in, and we'll answer them on next week's edition of the Mailbag Show. Guys, as always, thank you so much. Had a good time talking about strength of schedule, Tennessee's uh, eighth toughest schedule according to ESPN, and Tennessee predicted to go eight and four by ESPN's FBI. Uh, some stuff there. Big thanks to Luke Robinson catching up with him from Locked On Bama, talking to us about the quarterback situation in Alabama post spring practice. Uh, fun show today. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll continue to dive into Tennessee football, and um, we'll tell you what's going on in Hoover, Alabama. This is Locked On Vols.